Hello and welcome to episode number 24 of a Tisket Tasket podcast. I'm your host, Gina, and today we are going to look at the nursery rhyme, There Was an Old Woman Who Lived in a Shoe. This coincides nicely with last week's episode where I looked at Old Mother Hubbard. And so June's theme seems to be nursery rhymes that have to do with old women. In any case, before we get started, just would like to remind you that you can visit my blog at atiskettasketpodcast.com where you can find my reference lists as well as images that correspond with the episodes that I discussed during the week. Nursery rhymes have a tendency to be beautifully illustrated, and so I try to include at least one or two illustrations each week to depict the nursery rhyme I'm discussing. Furthermore, I'm trying to get out to Portland, Oregon, November 1st through the 5th this fall to attend the American Folklore Association's annual conference. I'm still waiting to hear back on whether or not I'm speaking there, but nevertheless, I'd like to go and make connections and meet people and get my hands on even more resources so that I can continue to study the weirdness of nursery rhymes. I'm having a good time now, now that I've done 24 episodes of this, and I'd like to continue my work. Furthermore, you can follow me on social media platforms such as Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and more under the handle Atisket Tasket Podcast. Please feel free to follow me and encourage your friends and family to follow me. I'm trying to grow my listener base and I would appreciate any help that I could get. But with that out of the way, I'd like to talk about the nursery rhyme There Was an Old Woman Who Lived in a Shoe. So, to refresh your memory, the lyrics as it appeared when this nursery rhyme was published in 1797 or 1784, depending on who you ask, the lyrics are as follows. There was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. She gave them some broth without any bread. She whipped them all soundly and put them to bed. This is not the most positive nursery rhyme out there. But it is a classic, and it has a Rald Folk Song Index number of 19,132. It first appeared in Joseph Ritson's 1794 Gammer Gurton's Garland. I usually refer to this publication as GGG when I discuss it in earlier episodes. It also appeared in Infant Institutes in 1797 and Songs for the Nursery in 1805. It appeared elsewhere as well, but those are its first appearances. There is some debate on who wrote it, and there is some consideration that this nursery rhyme might actually be older than its publication date, just like many of the nursery rhymes I discuss on this podcast. But the OPs certainly have a lot to say about it, in the Oxford Dictionary of Nursery Rhymes. They say, The celebrated inhabitant of a shoe has been identified with several ladies for little reason other than the size of their families. An example, Caroline, wife of King George II, who had eight children, and Elizabeth Vergus of Boston, who had six of her own and ten stepchildren. And Elizabeth Vergus is a very interesting person that I'll talk about a little bit here in a minute. It is surprising that nobody has suggested that the mother of Edward Lear, who had 21 children, that the rhyme is 
old may be assumed from the version in Infant Institute 1797, which reads, There was a little old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children she didn't know what to do. She crumbed them some porridge without any bread and borrowed a beetle and knocked them all over the head. Then out went the woman to bespeak him a coffin, and when she came back, she found him all laughing. The opies continue and say, This is remarkable for the Shakespearean word at the end, which is all laughing, L-O-F-F-E-I-N-G, and I did mention this word in last week's episode when I talked about Old Mother Hubbard. And they even say that this word at the end in its similarity to Old Mother Hubbard. If the rhyme is very old, it may be wondered whether it has folklore significance. The shoe has been long symbolic of what is personal to a woman until marriage. You can kind of infer what they're discussing there. Casting a shoe after the bride when she goes off on her honeymoon is possibly a relic of this, symbolizing the wish that the union should be fruitful. This is consistent with many children belonging to a woman who actually lived in a shoe. And this actually makes me think of the old tradition, which I don't think people do this anymore, but I've seen people tie shoes to the back of a car or a carriage when someone gets married. And apparently this has significance or or history in that the shoe is supposed to be a symbol of fertility. And when I looked more into this, anthropologist Ralph Merrifield has actually talked about how there's like all these bizarre customs that have to do with women in shoes. In fact, there was a custom that women would try on the shoes of a woman who just gave birth because it would it would increase their fertility. So the idea that an old woman living in a shoe that has a lot of children, it may uh, refer to the folklore or the tradition or the ritual that shoes in women have to do with fertility and thus a woman living in a shoe has to have a lot of children she lives in a shoe i i thought that was an interesting tradition there and when the opies talk about the word laughing this is yet another instance where this nursery rhyme could very well be much older than it appears or, or it was when it was first published and if we're talking about these older tradition or maybe perhaps pagan traditions i'm not sure where this whole shoe thing started it would make sense that, you know, this nursery rhyme may actually appear in Shakespearean times. So again, that's around the 16th century. So we don't see it published until the late 18th century, but perhaps with some of this iconography as well as some of the words used, it could be as old as the 16th century or even older, which I think is quite neat. So just like some other nursery rhymes, another thing I found out was that during the reign of King George II, and that would be between 1683 and 1760. And again, this is before this nursery rhyme appeared in publication. This nursery rhyme could very well mean or be satirized to talk about King George II. And I've talked a bit before, I think it was Little Bo Peep, where I talked about how it was used in a political cartoon. These nursery rhymes had been used as political satire for, you know, as as old as nursery rhymes are. And I've talked about why that was in previous episodes. I'm not going to go into it. But I think it's that's really cool. I mean, and it's it makes sense, right? So if these nursery rhymes are well known in the household, then 
cartoonists or the general public can attribute these nursery rhymes to a political figure because it's something that culturally a lot of people would get. So if people are attributing to an old woman in a shoe to King George II, people know this nursery rhyme and therefore can kind of make fun of King George II. But why was this nursery rhyme attributed to King George II? Well, he was married to Queen Catherine, and it was said that, well, first of all, they had a a quite large family. But apparently, King George II was nicknamed the Old Woman because it was widely believed that Caroline, I think I said her name was Catherine before, but her name was Caroline, Queen Caroline, was actually the power behind the throne. And Albert Jack, who uh, is a historian, says that according to the explanation, the children represent the members of parliament and George was unable to control them. And the whip refers to the political office of the name. So it's totally within the realm of possibility that this nursery rhyme was then adapted during the reign of King George II in the 1680s to 1760s as kind of a poking fun of the crown. So I thought that was amusing. And perhaps maybe nursery rhymes were used too because it skirts the line of sedition, but that's just me speculating at this point. But apparently there's actually uh, an additional stanza to this nursery rhyme that talks about King George that continues to poke fun. It says, You may strut dapper George, but it will be in vain. We all know it's Queen Caroline, not you that reign." So apparently that was added to there There was an old lady that lives in a shoe. Let's go ahead and listen to some versions of this. When I was actually looking up sources to play for you all of this nursery rhyme, I actually had quite a hard time finding more than one version. In fact, I only found two versions. And the first one was copyrighted in 1938 on Conqueror Records. It is called Frank Luther, Old Mother Goose. There was an old woman who lived in a shoe. And I have played Frank Luther Records before. Seems to be kind of a popular record company or voice in nursery rhyme publications. So here is a very simple rendition of There Was an Old Woman Who Lived in a Shoe. an old woman who lived in a shoe she had so many children she didn't know what to do she gave them some broth without any bread she whipped them all soundly and put them to bed they had a nice doggy who lived in their shoe he loved little children and they loved him too he was so good and he'd earn his keep by guarding them safely while they were asleep When days were fair, they would romp o'er the leaf. The doggy would make them laugh so merrily. They played till the sun sank over the hill. Then go home for supper. They never had their fill. One day a big bear was seen prowling near. The woman and her children were all filled with fear. The doggy so true knew what to do. He barked 
and away the bear flew. The second one is from Cyril Richard Celeste Holm and Boris Karloff, and it is called just Mother Goose from Camden Record. And this is from 1958. I love the production of this record, and I really love the artwork that appears on the record label. It's very, you know, mid-century. It's uh, gorgeous artwork, and the uh, sound effects in the record are just it just really screams late 1950s, early 1960s. And I don't know why I want to say it's nostalgic for me because I certainly I wasn't alive during this time. But I've talked earlier about how I am a huge fan of Star Trek. So maybe I just have nostalgia from things in the 60s. I don't know. But here is the version of There Was an Old Woman Who Lived in a Shoe that appeared in 1958. There was an old woman. She lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. She gave them some broth without any bread. She whipped them all soundly and put them to bed. Wasn't that rendition just neat? I just, again, I wish I could play the whole record. They go over a ton of nursery rhymes, and the sound effects and production of this record is just wonderful. If you'd like to hear the whole MP3, again, please visit my blog at atiscuittasketpodcast.com where you can find it and everything I talk about on my reference page. And I really wish I had more to talk about with this episode, but there really wasn't a lot to discuss on who wrote this nursery rhyme. There is a lot of discussion on its satirical importance as far as who it might reference. And I reference Elizabeth Virgus of Boston. And a lot of people say, so I'm going to talk a little bit about her because I, I don't have much to reference about this nursery rhyme. But uh, Elizabeth Virgus of Boston was a 17th century Bostonian woman who ended up marrying Isaac Goose, who was a a wealthy landowner in Boston. And when you look up her records and in one of the early Mother Goose's melodies, there's actually a whole story behind it. In some of the census, it says his name was Isaac Goose or in, in others, it was Isaac Vergoose. But in any case, she lived in Boston in the 1700s and she was the second wife of this rich landowner. And she basically married Isaac because Isaac needed someone to take care of his 10, yes, that's right, 10 children. And then he was a very prolific man. She must have had a lot of shoes because she ended up giving him six more children. So she had 16 children that she basically raised. And so a lot of people think that she was the old woman who lived in a shoe because she had so many children. But we, we know that this nursery rhyme is much older than her. But she was often called the American Mother Goose because she penned a lot of nursery rhymes. And actually, you can visit her grave. She was buried in Granary Burying Ground in Boston, Massachusetts. But I did find an article in the Celebrate Boston newspaper, and it said, Goose, like all good grandmothers, was in ecstasies at the event. She spent her whole time in the nursery and wandering the house, pouring forth in not the most melodious strains, 
the songs and ditties which she had learned in her younger days, greatly to the annoyance of the entire neighborhood, to Thomas Fleet in particular, who was a man fond of quiet. After some time, Fleet gave up the attempting to convince his mother-in-law to subdue this behavior and contrived to document her melodies, as well as rhymes from other sources, and published them in a book. In 1719, Fleet published the book Songs for the Nursery, or Mother Goose's Melodies for Children. In 1833, only one copy of this book apparently still existed and was republished as the only true Mother Goose. It is due to this book that a myth began that Mother Goose originated in Boston. What was in reality a compilation for multiple sources was likely embellished because the mother-in-law's name was Goose. Thomas Fleet's book was likely the first use of the pseudonym Mother Goose in English America. The earliest reference in history found for Mother Goose dates in 1650, and I've talked about this in previous episodes. This Elizabeth Vergoose is a very important person in nursery rhyme history, and I'd like to actually do an entire episode on her when I can. I recently found out that the Massachusetts Historical Society has one of the first editions of Mother Goose's Melody, and I am frothing at the mouth to see it, and in it, it actually has this whole history of her life. And boy, would I give a lot to actually see it in person. But I wanted to contribute and I wanted to talk a little bit about her because a lot of people believe that she embodies the old woman who lives in a shoe. Sadly, we do know that this nursery rhyme predates her life, but I think it's pretty neat to kind of contribute or attribute this nursery rhyme to this this woman who really was the grandmother of compiling nursery rhymes in America. Because I've talked a lot about English nursery rhymes from England, but very little about American nursery rhymes. And so this is a woman who her name lends herself very well to the history of nursery rhymes. So what have we learned today about the old woman who lives in a shoe? Well, First of all, we've learned that it's kind of a dark nursery rhyme, right? It talks about a poor woman who has too many mouths to feed and, in fact, lives a fantastical life in a presumably giant shoe. But we've also learned that the OBs believe that this nursery rhyme is much older than its original publication date in the 1790s or 1780s because some of the words that were used, they actually speculate that it's probably as old as Shakespeare, so around the 1500s. We also know that this nursery rhyme was used in satire, mainly referencing King George II and his wife Caroline, because she was the power behind the throne and George was considered, quote, an old woman. And I talked a little bit about how apparently shoes are considered good luck as far as fertility items. And that was something I certainly did not know before. And so the old woman who lives in a shoe may represent the fact that a shoe represents fertility. And if you wear the shoes of a woman who has successfully given birth, you too shall give birth. Very strange, right? Very weird. And I also talked a little bit about Elizabeth Vergoose, or Boston's own mother goose, who lived in the early 1700s in Boston who actually was responsible for a lot of the first American nursery rhymes in the compilation that her son-in-law published called Songs for the Nursery or Mother Goose's Melody, which I reference probably in every single episode. 
So despite not knowing a lot about this nursery rhyme, I still think we learned quite a bit, and I hope you enjoyed the audio recordings that I included, including that very fun 1958 version. And I hope you learned something new by listening to this podcast. And as always, please tell your friends and family about these episodes and let me know if you want to hear a specific nursery rhyme or want me to look into more in-depth histories of a nursery rhyme that I've covered. But as always, I will continue next week and talk about the weirdness of nursery rhymes. Three children sliding on the ice upon a summer's day. As it fell out, they all fell in, the rest they ran away. Now had these children been at home or sliding on dry ground, 10,000 pounds to one penny, they had not all been drowned. You parents all that children have, and you that have got none, if you would have them safe abroad, pray keep them safe at home. This is the house that Jack built. This is the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the cow with the crumpled horn that tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the maiden all forlorn that milked the cow with the crumpled horn that tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the man all tattered and torn that kissed the maiden all forlorn that milked the cow with a crumpled horn that tossed the dog that buried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the priest all shaven and shorn that married the man all tattered and torn that kissed the maiden all forlorn that milked the cow with a crumpled horn that tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the cock that crowed in the morn, that waked the priest all shaven and shorn, that married the man all tattered and torn, that kissed the maiden all forlorn, that milked the cow with a crumpled horn, that tossed the dog, that buried the cat, that killed the rat, that ate the malt, that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the farmer sowing his corn, that kept the cock that crowed in the morn, that waked the priest all shaven and shorn, that married the man all tattered and torn, that kissed the maiden all forlorn, that milked the cow with a crumpled horn, that tossed the dog, that worried the cat, that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built.